that would connect with most of us in this room is that if you've ever seen a yearbook, there's a page there that has uh, these, these different individuals that have their photos and they're identified as uh, most likely to succeed, most likely to be the class clown, most likely to do this, most likely to do that. And we've been in a series uh, looking at specific Bible characters and identifying their what we would call, um, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a word for it that just totally ran away from me, Sup- superlatives, yes. They're superlatives as we look at their lives. And today I want to talk to you about a guy named Abraham. Uh, just a powerful, legendary guy. He's famous. The Bible talks about him being the father of all that believe. Like he's a, he's a spiritual example. Paul writes in the New Testament that um, the Old Testament is there as, as an example to us, to help us see how to live, help us learn from other people's experiences, and help us learn from other people's mistakes. So I want to look at Abraham's life. And, and I, I labeled this message, most likely to take a leap of faith. Take a leap of faith. Um, you can call another way, maybe it's called is blind faith. And you're going to see why I'm calling it this in just a few minutes. But I just want to say it is an honor to have you here. We want to welcome our live stream audience uh, to, as, they, as they worship with us and, and encounter what God is doing here in our midst. I also want to say in our app, if you have our church app downloaded, there's notes in there and uh, ability to connect and follow along with what's going on uh, in, in this, during this message, especially since we don't have a projector right now. But life is good, and God is good. God's really good. So I, I want to just start off by, by saying that this guy, Abraham, um, you know, he's known, he's, he's talked about so much in the New Testament because of his legendary status and, and the decisions that he made in the Old Testament in the day that he lived. And he, he, his upbringing was not Christian, if you will. He, he lived in a home, the Bible tells us in Joshua, that his father, uh, Terah, was, he worshipped idols. He was a worshipper. I think you could look it up, Joshua 24 too, that he was a worshipper of other gods. So this guy, Abraham, comes on the scene. We really have no history about him, but he was not like raised in the faith. You know, he, he didn't understand the intricacies of God's voice and hearing God's voice and, and obeying by faith and all this stuff. This guy comes on the scene. He's fresh. He's green. He's, you know, he's young. And, and God begins to speak to him. And I appreciate the fact that no matter where you are, no matter what your background, who you are, what you've done, God can connect with you. God can connect with you. He could reach you if you're in the deepest, darkest place in your life. He can, he can minister to you no matter where you're, at, where you're at, and he can connect with you. A lot of people think he runs from people that are in the midst of a mess, and I don't believe that for a minute. I believe that he's in pursuit of all of his kids, and many of them just don't know it yet. So this guy, Abraham, is introduced in Genesis chapter 12. I want you to turn there if you can, look at it up in the app. Um, we won't have it on the screen. But in Genesis chapter 12, we begin to see the calling that God placed on his life. It says this in verse 1. It says, the Lord had said to Abram. Now, we call him Abraham 
That's because God changed his name. God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Uh, there's a whole story behind it, which I, I won't get into, but it's a good thing to look up why or what, what the purpose of that was. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And check this out in verse 2. It says, I will make you into a great nation. And you'll see the succession of I wills, I wills. This is like all that God wants to do in Abraham's life. First, he wants to make him into a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever comes, excuse me, whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Skip down to verse 7. It says this. The Lord appeared to Abram and said. Actually, I didn't read verse 4. I'm going back to verse 4. Sorry. I've got like, I'm trying to read blurry words here on this page. Something's wrong with my Bible. So, um, (laughs) verse 4. It says, so Abram went. The Lord says, go, I want you to go to this place. I'm going to show you where it is. Go. So Abram went, and as the Lord Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Another point of interest is this. He's 75 years old, and he doesn't have any children. His wife is barren. They have no kids. He's, He's, you know, as it relates to having children over the hill, you know. Uh, Verse 7 says this. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he, that is Abram, built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So God comes on the scene out of nowhere in Abram's life and begins to make all these amazing promises. All these incredible things. I mean, You know, to look at it on face value, this guy's like hearing, I'm going to make you famous. You're going to be a blessing. You're going to be a nation. You know, you're going to, people are going to want, you know, want to know you. You're going to be this great, great figure. God's promising this in advance. And he also says, to your offspring. Now, Abram, I don't know how his response was, but if I was in that situation, I got to be thinking, what in the world is this? What, what in the world is he saying? He knows I have no kids, right? He, he, I have no children. So you're going to promise me all this land, this, this uh, nation, this piece of land that's huge. It's occupied by, by uh, different ite people, Canaanites, Hivites, Jebusites. All these ites are living there, right? And it's occupied them, by them. Some of them are even giants, Right? And, and so Abram receives this promise. And you know what he does? He doesn't argue with God. He doesn't dispute with God. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't, we don't know the amount of time. It doesn't say the next day, okay? But we know that Abram responded to God. That's why I think he was the most likely candidate to take a leap of faith. He's the most likely candidate to, to jump in and say, I'm in. You know, I'm, I'm going to do this. I, I believe you, and I want what you've promised me. Abram steps out in faith. And I think this is just incredible, especially as we begin to look at his history. His father was a worshiper of idols and other gods. Now, listen to me. Many of us in this room, we have a history. 
We have a history that we're not proud of. We have a history that we wish we could erase and start over with. We have a history that has, you know, left scars, left wounds. Some of us in this room, we may still be dealing with the wounds in our lives. We may be still dealing with the things that, uh, you know, of the past that are hurting us even today. Have shaped who we are, have shaped the decisions we make, and how we look at life. And and I love that God's like, I I can take care of that for you. I I love that God's like, you know, I I can address that and I'm going to make you okay. And I believe that even in this room today, God, you need to know that God wants you to know that he is the healer of the deepest, darkest wounds. There are things that people don't even know about in your life that he wants to help you with. That he, want, he wants to erase and give you a fresh start. You know, we, we can forget what is behind and, and begin to focus on the future because God is, is, a, is close to the brokenhearted. You know, he's not trying to minimize it all like it's no big deal. But he wants to bring uh, authentic healing to that. And he... He tells us through Paul in the New Testament that, um, that he can use what we've been through to be a blessing to others, to help others. And so Abraham's this guy, you know, he, he takes a leap of faith. I don't know anyone in this room, and maybe you're crazy enough to do what Abram did, but he heard go and he went. He didn't know where he was going. Like, I'll just steer you. Take a left up here, you know. I want you to start driving. You may end up cross-country. You may end up on a ferry in another nation. It doesn't matter. Just go. I'll tell you, how to, I'll tell you where I want you, and you'll get to where I want you to be. And he went. Uh, this is amazing, you know? And his story continues. Now, we look at Abram from the perspective of how God shares with us about his life in the New Testament. But I, I would venture to say that I think Abram had some challenges along the way. If we look at, um, at Genesis 13, the next chapter, we're going to see that God continually reminds him of the promises, but he also expands on them each and every time. He begins to open his eyes even further. He said, yeah, what I said I meant, but I want you to see this in a different angle. In Genesis chapter 12, he says you're going to have offspring. Check out what he says here. Uh, in Genesis 13, not only about the offspring, about the land, but also about the land that he's promising to Abram. This is Genesis 13, starting in verse 14. And it said, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are in the, to the north, south, east, and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. And I will, make, I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. Just, just pause for a moment and let's just think about that. Here's a guy, you know, there's, there's shame attached to barrenness. There's part of a whole man's existence in that culture was to establish a family, to, to have offspring, to raise up sons and, and multiply on the earth. And he says... I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. So that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the land, the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. Just, Just powerful, powerful dimensions of God's promises for his life. I want to share with you one last verse related to Abram's life and then begin to talk about what we 
how we can glean and benefit from his life. Because I think there's a powerful lesson here. In Romans chapter 4, I just got to turn there, give me a second. Romans 4, starting in verse 17, this is what it says about Abram. I mean, this guy is famous, he's incredible, um, and he can be a great example to us. Romans 4, 17. It says, oh boy, as it is written, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. This is thousands of years later. As it is written, I have made you, it's a done deal, I've made you a father of many nations. And it says, he is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed. You'll find in the Old Testament when we're looking at Abram's life that um, it says that Abraham believed God and it was reckoned, reckoned to him or, or credited to him as righteousness. So believing God did something powerful for him. Here we see in Romans 4, it says that uh, he's, he's, he's our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. See, this is powerful because believing is an element that many of us can struggle with, Right? Believing, being believing believers, right? People who believe God. You see, Abram found a way of trusting God. He found a way of holding on to God's promises. He found a way of pressing through despite all of these natural things that shouted, it is never going to happen. He found a way to believe. And so it says here, he's our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. In essence, Paul to the Romans is saying, God can do anything. There's nothing impossible with God. It goes on to say, against all hope, Abraham, in hope, he believed and so because became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring B, going on, verse 19, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, and since he was about 100 years old, since he was, oh yeah, 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver. Think about that for a minute. Come on, 100 years old, he did not waver through unbelief. Regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. I want to talk to you about believing today. It's a struggle sometimes because it's easy to begin to look at the natural. It's easy to begin to look at the things that we could see with our eyes. We know God's promises and you know, we have them tucked neatly in our back pocket. God said this to me, and God revealed this to me, and God is showing me this. But somehow, some way, the natural has a tendency to uh, supersede or override the reality of God's promises. And so we struggle. We're caught in this tension of a promise and our believing for that promise. I began to wonder as I was thinking about this related to Abraham's life, what if he didn't believe? What would things be like if he didn't believe? What if he never left 
Ur of the Chaldeans? What if he heard God and began to question, well, let me pray about it. You know, the, the famous answer that means, that means no, it's just I'm not bold enough to tell you no. You know, what if, what if he's like, well, let me sit on this for a while, God, you know, just to make sure it's you, to make sure it's your voice. I'm just not sure of this. I mean, would God really ask me to go somewhere and do something that I'm not familiar with? You know, could this be another God talking to me? What if Abraham never went? What if he never became the father of Isaac, the miracle child, who is, who is a prototype in the Old Testament of Jesus Christ, the Messiah? What, what if he never believed God and, and that land of Canaan that now is, is, you know, in dispute and all that stuff, it never became Israel's land? What if he never followed God because he had this self-doubt, this insecurity, these, all these things from his upbringing that held him back from responding to God's voice? Where would we be today? I, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the end result would be, but I can tell you it wouldn't have been good. And yet he's called the father of those who believe. He's a guy who trusted God. He's a guy who responded to God. He's a guy who, you know, in many ways took a leap of faith because God said, I want you to do this, and that yet he couldn't see with his natural eyes the reality of what was about to happen in his life. He had all these promises, the I wills. I'm going to make you great and famous and a nation and a father of many and the dust of the earth is going to be your, your, your offspring and it, all these things. But what if, I began to think about Abraham's life from the what-if angle. What if? What would, what would things be like in Christianity and the faith now if he never had Isaac? And Isaac, because Isaac didn't exist, didn't have the, uh, Jacob, and Jacob never, gave, never fathered the, the 12 tribes of Israel. What would it look like? What would our faith be like? Would it be different? Would God find a, a, a replacement? I, I just don't know. But I know that instrumental in this whole process is Abraham's belief. I know that something significant about why I stand here today and why you're sitting here today is because of Abraham, the father of our faith. Now, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. He, he could have had all these thoughts racing through his mind that could have kept him, could have kept him from rising up and doing what God had asked him to do. I, I want to make something very clear today. And if you only leave with this, leave with this. If you only remember one thing, leave with this. And that's this. God can be trusted to fulfill his promises. He can be trusted to fulfill his promises. They may seem ludicrous uh, out from left field, you know. I, I mean, they might just be one of those things like, what in the world are you asking me to do? I, I hear what you're telling me, that you're going to bless me, and, and, and you have your hand on my life, and you're calling me to this, and you're equipping me to do this. But, you know, uh, I, and we, we begin to look at ourselves. It's almost like we hold a mirror up and say, but, you know, we look in a mirror I just want to say that God can be trusted to fulfill his promises. He's only asking us to believe him. This is why Abraham's famous. This is why he's, he's a pioneer of the faith, because he believed God. It may, may have seemed impossible on face value, at face value, to believe him, but he believed him. 
And because of that, God was able to do great things for him and continue to do great things through his life, through the decisions he made. So he's asking us to believe him. And I don't know what uh, limitations Abram had, but I do know that as you track his life from Genesis 12 to 24, you begin to see that God had to show up again and again and again to remind him of what he was going to do, to keep him, almost to keep him on track. And we also see things, decisions that Abraham is voicing, like, you know what, God's really not going to come through. I guess this servant, Eliezer, is going to, he's going to get my inheritance. Or God, you know, he doesn't say it this way, like, God's not going to come through, but his actions speak a lot. Uh, His wife, Sarah, his wife, Sarah, says, you got to take my servant, Hagar, and and you've got to sleep with her because what she gives us is going to be your offspring. And, And he begins to waver a little bit. Now, I know the New Testament says he doesn't waver, but he begins to, I'm not trying to correct the New Testament, please bear with me here. He, he, begins to, he begins to take actions that almost don't align with a full believing, if you understand what I'm saying. And I also want you to know that God is very gracious. As God begins to look across the landscape of Abram's life, he, he begins to say, this man stood and trusted and believed and begins to, uh, he exemplified faith to the body of believers in the moments though if i were there if you were a fly on the wall in the moment of his tent you know of his tent uh if you were a fly on the wall in the moments i would like to see what what was going on the kind of conversations he had the uh get in his mind and and begin to understand the kind of thoughts that he was thinking because you know he was being asked to believe the impossible and if he continued if, if he began to step into unbelief, I think things would be radically different today. And, and so we can learn from him. Because the reality is this. We all, in some way, shape, or form, are most likely dealing with uh, limiting beliefs. Limiting beliefs or thinking patterns that hold us back from the things that God wants to do in our lives. Limiting beliefs. Um, limiting beliefs I would define as something like this. Something that you see as true in your life related to you, someone else, or God that is holding you back from something great. I, I think a lot of us have some type of belief system. In fact, I'll just, I'll be, I'm going to be outright. I, I'm working on my beliefs, you know. I don't think that it's like an on and off switch. Like, oh yeah, back in the day I dealt with my beliefs and now everything's perfect. I believe that we're always working on what we should believe. I believe that we're always trying to fix some things because the world and the life that we live, the culture that we live in is saying one thing and God's word is saying another. And we have to choose what is it that we're going to believe. Am I going to believe what I see or am I going to believe what God says? And so we're constantly working on our belief system. So I want to talk to you uh, just for the next few minutes because I think that uh, limiting beliefs are a big deal. I want to talk about limiting beliefs, and we want to deal with them. I want you to walk out of here free from the kind of beliefs that are hampering your thinking, 
as it relates to what God wants to do in your life, as it relates to what, how God sees you. And we, we can pick these things up through life, life, experience, uh, life experiences, maybe our upbringing by our parents or our siblings, our education, um, our work experiences. We pick up these limited beliefs and we begin to look at ourselves in a way that God does not want us to look at ourselves. We begin to see others in a limiting way. I love that Judah shared that God, God is calling us to begin to see people the way he sees them. You know, we got to look past the, the imperfections, the way people dress, talk, look, uh, maybe their attitudes or their personality. We've got to see people the way God sees them. You know, that's, that positions us to love well. Aside from that, if we see people on the outward appearance, if we, if we make our assessment of people on the outward appearance, uh, it's a judgment that doesn't help us love them. It causes us to limit our love, hold it back. And so w- when I talk about limiting beliefs, they could be things like this. They could be thoughts in your mind. I want you to begin to think, and I've been asking the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal to each and every one of us some things that we believe that are not true. Some things like this, you're not enough. You're inadequate. You're, uh, you're unworthy. Um, you're afraid. You're unlovable. You've been rejected. Or you're going to be rejected. We begin to look at ourselves through the lens of our experiences. Someone else can do it better than you. Uh, you're unqualified. You have fears. Nobody is interesting, interested in your ideas. You're invisible. You know, you don't matter. We, we can look at our, our lives this way because of the things that we've experienced. And when we begin to look at ourselves this way, just put yourself in the context of Abraham. God comes on the scene because he has made promises to each and every one of us, right? He comes on the scene and he begins to speak his promises. But we have a, a, almost like a rebuttal, but God. I know that you have this for me, but you don't understand how fearful I am. You don't understand how inadequate I feel. I I don't have the skills to do that. I don't have the ability to do that. There's no way I would ever do that. What if they reject me? And we begin to think in ways based upon the the limiting beliefs that we carry in our lives. And we're going to go after them. Are you good with this? This is not going to be your typical message, point one, point two, point three, okay? But I I really want, I want the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to every one of us in this room. I I want him to begin to help us understand uh, what God's trying to do in our midst here, okay? So, um, related to limiting beliefs, we're going to ask God to give us three of them that apply specifically to our lives. What are the things that hold you back? What are the things that you think of when you think about yourself? When you, you know, what are the things that are limiting you from being great? What are the things that are, are holding you down or suppressing you? What, what are they? And so um, I, I'm just asking the Holy Spirit to begin to speak about this. I, I was sitting in a coffee shop this week with my wife. And I began to ask, uh, you know, just think through this whole process. And I felt like um, I could not answer anything that would hold me back anymore because I've been, I've been dealing with these through my life. And, and, you know, so I was asking the, myself these questions. Why aren't I going, you know, is there anything that's holding me back 
from going for it that would, would make God famous in the city? Is there anything that I have? Do I have fears or constraints? Is there anything? Do I, do I not feel loved? Do, do, I, do I feel like I'm unqualified or inadequate? And I began to say, listen to me. There is, I'm talking to myself now. I don't know if you talk to yourself, but I'm like, there is nothing that is holding me back from going for it. And like Casey said, being all in. I mean, there's nothing. Because I've, I'm choosing to reverse the things that I, I grew up, the mindsets that I, was, I grew up with in my life. I'm, I've reversed them. And now I begin to look at myself like, God, you are great. You know, God, you can do great things in my life. So um, is there something? What, is there something that would hold you back from doing anything that God asked you to do? Is there something in your life? You know, maybe, maybe you say, you know, I have fears. I, I have fears in my life. I, I just, I don't know how to do that. I don't know uh, what to do. But I just, I, you know, a couple words. In fact, you might want to take out your phone or a piece of paper in front of you. There's pens there. And I, I want us to, all of us to come up with three. What are three things that we begin to bring before God? And it's super simple. Don't, I don't want a paragraph, but write down three simple things that you could begin to bring before God. I'll be rejected. I'm unworthy, unqualified. And, and this should be something, not just some mental exercise, but like what is in your heart that you feel when God begins to, begins to open the doors of possibility for you, begins to show you who you are, begins to uh, reveal to you the things that he has for you, the promises that he's made to you. What happens in your heart? Do you respond with fear, with doubt? Do you begin to be like, Satan, get behind me, you know? Because you, you're like, you may know it's God, but you, you don't want any part of it because you're, you're scared a little bit. This, this could be totally transforming to your life. Write down three things, very brief, very short, that in your life, you feel like are limiting to you. Belief systems, ways of thinking that you have right now. And your heart is telling you these are the things that hold you back. Jot it down on a piece of paper. Jot it in your phone. Um, I, I believe that God wants to bring freedom today. And I love Abraham's story because even through his limiting beliefs, he allowed God to overwhelm them and did exactly what God asked them to do. He's a, he's a perfect example to us. I'm going to give you my three. I'm just going out on a limb, okay? Here's the three that I've dealt with or, or are dealing with in any given day, you know? I've had huge successes and huge failures. But here's the three for me, the lies that I believe that have limited me at some point in my life from stepping into the reality of what God's called me to. The first one is rejection. A fear of rejection. No one likes to be rejected, but, you know, I, I hated it. So it would hold me back from being bold for God. It would hold me back for being all in for God. Rejection. The second one, not good enough. Not good enough. You're not good enough, Jim. And the third one was this, God won't come through. You ever feel that way? Maybe there's fears in your life. It, you know, I want you to think as it relates to your life, what are the limiting beliefs that you have?
And now with those limiting beliefs, uh, we want to come up with um, a replacement because we could land there and stay there or we could say, you know what? When I have rejection, feels, fears, excuse me, feelings of rejection, I'm going to choose to believe this way. I'm going to choose to go after this. And it can't just be the opposite. Rejection, when I feel rejection, I'm going to, I'm going to feel acceptance. You, it's, not, it's not like that. You, you, because we can't go through life without being rejected. There's going to be times in our life that we will be rejected. But when you have that feeling coming on you of, I'm going to be rejected, how is your response going to be? This is what I put down. Um, you won't always be rejected. Even if you are rejected, it's in your control to be bold and confident. You know, because rejection tends to stifle and hold down you from being who you are, right? Uh, like, there's a freedom to be us in this room. But how about in the world we live in? And if rejection's your thing, you know, it, what happens typically to a person is that they, they just shut their mouths and they don't say anything. You know, uh, so come up with a replacement for not good enough. This is what I wrote for myself. I'm his son. I mean, I'm his beloved son. He thinks about me a lot. The Bible says his thoughts toward me are greater than the sand on the sea. And he has my best interest in mind. Uh, About God won't come through. This is what I wrote. God is always working on my behalf. He's always working. I may not see it, and it's not up to me to determine the when and the how of his working. But I know that he's, he's working for my favor and for my blessing. Now, I don't know if you have those written down. It it might be a lot to ask in this short period of time. But I want you to just grab the first one. Even if you only have one, I I want you to grab the first one. And I want to ask this question. Imagine if if you were to continue in this limiting belief over the next five years. What would your life look like? What would you miss out on? Who would not be blessed or touched by God because of that limiting belief in your life. When, when you think about the family members, the co-workers, the neighbors, your loved ones. How, how are things remaining the same going to do for them? Are you going to still continue to be miserable because of that limiting belief? Knowing that you are called to here, but you're staying down here because of some lie. Some, some untruth that you've held on to. What would five years from now look like to you? Let's go further. How about 10 years? 10 years, you've chosen, you you, you know, you're continuing to hold on to that belief. You're continuing to hold on to that thing. And 10 years from now, what's life going to look like for you? When you look at yourself in the mirror, how do you feel about yourself? What would you say to yourself in 10 years if this thing that has limited you to this point is still plaguing you 10 years from now. What would you say? Don't take offense to this, but would you call yourself a coward? Would you be looking at yourself and saying, you know, having regrets and shame, like, I should have dealt with that. I I I can deal, why am I letting this plague my life? How would you feel? When you look at your grandkids, you know, your kids, your future spouse. 
And this is still like one of those things that is holding you back. You're frustrated. You're angry. You lash out because it's this thing that you know should not have a hold on you. You see, Abraham, the way I see it, found a way to get free from limiting beliefs. He found a way to press on, even despite the potential of having inadequacies. But God, I'm 100 years old. This has never happened ever in the history of mankind. Uh, who, you know, mankind at that point was living about 120 years. No one had children that late in life. No one had barren wives that were, begin, were able to give birth when they're 90 years old. And yet he found a way to press past these limiting inadequacies, these things that had the potential to hold him back. I, I would encourage you, I mean, if you really want to change, if you really want to bring these things before God, take those three before God and ask him, you know, what will my life look like? Am I going to be happy with myself? Am I going to be able to love myself in five or ten years if I'm the same then as I am now, dealing with this struggle that I know has been there? You see, the Holy Spirit wants to deal with this. He wants to bring freedom. He wants to help you overcome this. You'll be stronger, more powerful, more confident, more bold in who you are in God. He wants to change our lives. He doesn't want to leave us here. I, I hope you don't take this as, as condemnation. I'm not trying to condemn anyone. I just know that in five years, I better be different, and I'm going to be very frustrated with myself. You know what I mean? Now, let's flip this. What if in five years, you, you, you begin to deal with this today, and in five years, you think about, we're, and we're only just looking at one limiting belief. Five years later, you've dealt with it. You've lived it out. You're different. Think about the potential of what your life could look like if this thing is five years behind you. Think about how different you would be. Think about how, how, how free you'd be because this thing is no longer holding you back. You're ha- holding you back. You're, you're helping other people get free. You're, you're confident. You're bold. You're, you're doing great things for God because this thing once held you back, but it no longer holds you back. Think about that. Look at yourself in the mirror. After five years of being free, I mean, this is powerful. God can do. What about 10 years? Now we're talking about legacy. We're talking about generation. We're talking about helping people in this realm because we once were bound and now we're free. We once were limited, but now we're unlimited in the potential that God has for us. Come on, we could be free before God. We could be free before God. The Bible says that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Listen to me, the enemy comes in He's sneaky. He's a trickster. He causes you. His desire is to deceive us and cause us to believe something that's not true. So we're limited in the sense that we don't step out. We don't believe God. Or maybe we have this belief system about God, but we don't believe to the point of doing the things he's asked us to do. There's many things that have yet to be done. There's many things that are still undone because people are limited in their belief system. I want to invite you to stand to your feet. I'm going to close uh, with, this, with this prayer and this idea that you can, be, you can be great. Abraham, to me, in my mind, was an ordinary guy who chose to believe God. 
He, he, was, he was a human being. He had his limitations. You know, he had his drawbacks. He had his inadequacies. I mean, we begin to look at his life. He lied about his, his wife. She was technically his sister, but he was cowardly enough to have a king, give his wife to a king on two separate occasions because he wouldn't stand and say, this is my wife. You know, he's trying to make his, his uh, servant a son and, and sleeping with his wife's slave because he had some limitations and yet God, through uh, having some element of belief in Abraham, made him great. There is untapped, unlimited potential in this room. I'm telling you, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. You, you can do great things for God. You can do great things with God, and he could do great things with you. He's asking for us to believe. Would you just do me a favor and just take your hands and, or one of them and put it on your head? We, we've we've got to allow the truth of God's word and who we really are to penetrate this thing. It's a skull, you know, it's, it's thick, it's... You know, sometimes it's, it's hard to get what the truth is into this to get down to our heart. But I, I just want to close with prayer. And my prayer, Lord, today is that, God, that we could see ourselves the way you see us. Lord, I ask, God, that those promises that you made to Abraham, like that, Lord, you would begin to speak to us, that this week would be a breakthrough week, God, that we would hear and see and be reminded of the things that you have for us. Some of us may be sitting on things that were spoken to us 20, 30 years ago. And God, like Abraham, waited 25 years for the fulfillment of the promise. We, we may be thinking, but it's been so long. It's so easy to doubt. It's so easy to cast off that promise not going to happen, but God, you are the God who always fulfills your promises. And you're asking us to believe. So today, Father, I just bless your people. I ask God that, Lord, you begin to minister to them. Lord, as we leave today, that you'd speak to us about the things that limit us, the beliefs that we have adopted, the beliefs that uh, have have, uh, been accepted into our lives that have limited us from being all that you've called us to be, God. I ask that you bring freedom, God, freedom over people's lives. We break the power of lies. Father, reveal your truth, and we just declare that you are good and you're amazing. And Father, I bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Listen, we have coffee.